podcast episode is sponsored by Life Balance Membership. Begin creating more balance in your life by going to lifebalancemembership.com. Hello and welcome to Your Life Rocks. This is the podcast that equips working Christian moms to create balance, clear chaos, and reach goals in all areas of your life. My name is Jenny Simmerman, your host and fellow working mom. I'm so glad that you're here to hang out with me today. We are on episode three of a four-part series, hearing from other moms just like you sharing their testimony of what God is doing in their life. Now, I will say these podcast episodes are quite a bit longer than we typically run. We usually never cross over that 30-minute mark, but these stories are so good, I could not edit them down. If you missed last week's episode, we had my really good friend on, Lindsay Cooper, talking about her crazy journey from growing up as a good girl to really ending up in a situation that was beyond anything she could ever think of when she found herself trafficked into a prostitution position. Yep, that's exactly what I said. But you know what? God is so good and he rescued her and redeemed her from that situation. And she is a powerful woman of God today. In fact, she just had her baby when the episode went live. She was still pregnant and had him just a couple days later. So we are super excited that Jackson is now part of the Cooper family. Congratulations, Lindsay. So I hope you go back and you have a listen to that episode. I promise it will be so worth it. And you know what? So is this episode. You know, Oftentimes, we can, at least let me speak for myself, um, I can be very much of a control freak for my life. And I like to have everything planned. I like to have everything sorted. And I like to know where things are going. But you know what? God sometimes has other plans for us. And that can be a little bit difficult. And that's exactly what we get to hear today from my friend Autumn Beam. Now, over the course of this last year, Autumn has gone through an incredible journey of learning to trust God and his plan for her life and to never say never. Have you ever played that game? Never have I ever? Well, she played a game with God called Never Will I Ever, and he challenged her on every single one of those points. So it's a quite entertaining story. It's very impactful. And I think it's something that we can all relate to in the way that we try to plan our lives and what God has to say about that. Now, at the very end of Autumn's testimony, I'm going to be sharing a life balance tip from our sponsor, lifebalancemembership.com. So without further ado, let's get to Autumn's testimony. But I'm super excited to have you on the podcast to share this journey because I think that there's so much that people can take from it, just little nuggets to really help inspire them, encourage them on their journey. So before we dive into all of that, tell us a little bit more about who you are. Well, my name is Autumn Beam and I am sort of, I don't know, I'm like this, I'm this free floating person that God is just like, you're going to go over here and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. I swear. I've had like five different careers. I've lived in three different states and I've lived in three different places in one of the states. And it's just like, God is like, you are one of those vessels that is just going to just do whatever, whenever I tell you. And I'm like, all right, let's do this. That's fine. Um, So I love that about you so much, you know, and apparently he thinks that I'm this person who can handle all of these crazy random things. So I've stopped trying to feel bad about it. Cause I used to feel bad about it. I used to think, gosh, there's these people out there who have these great careers and 
they, you know, they knew exactly what they wanted to do since they were 15 and then they went to school and then they did it. And now they have these great careers with great paying jobs and yada, yada, yada. And then here I am on my like fifth career change. And, you know, I'm just like, what in the world is going on, God? Like, why, why wasn't I that person who knew exactly what they wanted to do and just went with it and developed it? And God's just like, look, I had all these different things that I, you know, all these different experiences that I put you through that all are culminating into these big things that are coming. And without those random experiences, you would not be able to put the pieces together to do what I have for you next. And even if the next thing built upon the next thing built upon the next thing, I mean, that, that's still a part of his plan. And so I've come to accept that about myself and just go, all right, what's next, God? Like, which is both good and bad because at, at some point I'm just like, okay, what is next? And I hate that question too. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows what is next because I'm sure God will just send you in a whole different direction. So share with us some of the past careers that you have had because you've had quite the variety. I have. Okay. So my, my, fir like my first job out of high school was retail and that retail job was in sales. And so it was a really unusual experience at 16 years old to be on a, have a commissioned sales job. And so um, I did that for a couple of years and then graduated college. And then I went into more sales jobs. Um, and then I'm like, why am I in sales? Gosh, I hate sales. This is terrible. And, um, and I was really good at it. That was the thing is like, I was so good at sales, but I just absolutely hated doing it. So then I switched careers to teaching and I taught high school business because my degree was in marketing. And, um, and I really enjoyed that for a couple of years. Um, and then we got to a point in our lives where, you know, we wanted to have kids and different things like that. And so we tried to have a baby. It took forever. It took such a long time, in fact, that my husband was like, you need to get a job. <laughs> Because we don't know when this, you know, when this end is in sight. So I get a job. The day I get a job, and it's a, a merchandising position at a at a you know national retail store, and it was like seven days after I started that job, I found out I was pregnant. And I was like, oh, just kidding, guys. <laughs> God's perfect timing. <laughs> I know. So I worked there for six months and it was great and wonderful and la-di-da. And then I ended up staying home for, you know, a while. But I got really restless because I had this one really perfect child. And of course, she wasn't really perfect. But, you know, she was the easiest baby on the planet. She basically taught herself to sleep through the night at five weeks old never cried. The only time she ever got upset was if I didn't feed her on time. And I had her on such a schedule that that rarely happened. She was a very happy kid. She slept 12 hours, you know, almost right off the bat. And like, it really could not have been easier. And I know there are parents listening to me going, I hate you right now for saying that. But that was just my experience. And so I got a little restless and I'm like, gosh, I'm such a doer. I need to be doing something. So that's when I got into direct sales. And of course, I couldn't just like do it every once in a while. I had to be like all in. So, you know, went back into sales. But I loved the sales job I was doing because it was on my terms. So that completely changed it. It wasn't someone else telling me what sales goals to have or whatever. I got to pick the company I wanted to work for. And I got to sell the thing that was, I was passionate about at the time. So um, that was fantastic. And then, of course, then God took me, you know, three, it was like three and a half years later, God took me into podcasting. It was like, you're going to do this podcasting thing. And I'm like, okay, why? Like, I thought he was going to have me do some kind of public speaking. I was going to be this inspirational speaker. Like, you know, you try to insert what you think into God's plan. And that's totally what I did. Yep. And um, was completely wrong. Like out of left field, I had this one podcast guest 
that was talking about health and nutrition and she was freaking fantastic. And she introduced me to functional medicine and through all of these different jobs, I had had these health problems and I had been to, I don't even know how many specialists in seven years, not a single one of them could help me or tell me what was wrong with me. And, um, and I, and I, I kept fighting and I kept saying, I even told doctors to their face, like, you can't sit here and tell me that there's nothing wrong with me because there is, you know, and I was fighting and fighting for so many years. And finally she introduced me to functional medicine and I was like, what's that? And, you know, she sort of explained to me about functional medicine and sort of healing from how your, your systems sort of work in a, in a relation to one another and your microbiome and your gut, which of course, a lot of the things I was dealing with were my gut and everything stemmed from my gut. I started seeing a functional medicine doctor within seven months. She had made me a completely different human being. And I asked her on the next appointment, I said, how do I do what you do? Because I have to help people. I cannot let people go through the journey that I went through. And she said, get a graduate degree from, you know, from whatever university in this particular field, you know, clinical nutrition and functional medicine. And within a week I had applied and, and within two months I had been accepted and I started a month later. And so now, now I'm a full-time graduate student. This is what I love so much about just this background of your story. We're not even into like the actual story yet, but like you are such a jumper. Like whenever there's like a, oh, maybe this is it. Like you're just all in both feet, head first, jump in. Yeah. I love that so much about you. I know. I've always said, when, you know, when I've always said when God says jump, you don't, you know, you say how high. That's it. Like that's the only question. That's so good. That's so good. So now you are going to school, pursuing this degree. And I know a big part of your story is also um, your family. You already talked about your daughter, which I think she's amazing. And we'll talk a little bit more about her in a bit. But share with me a little bit about your husband, because that really like his background is like the spurring point for what's happened to you over the course of this last year. Yes. And you know, what's funny about that is I feel like for so many years, things had been about me and my journey and where I should go next and what I should do and becoming a mom and figuring out how to be a mom and how to juggle everything. And, you know, it's like the spotlight was on me for so long. Um, and he was just kind of doing his thing for all that time, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, we came across this challenge and God was very clear with me, like, not that he said to me, like, not like you're not going to learn anything through this process, but this is not your, this is not your thing. This is his. And that was weird for me because I was like, what do you mean? It's not about me. Everything's about me. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't it be about me? <laughs> Everything's been about me. What? So, you know, my husband was, he was born in Germany. He was born uh, to a military family. They were stationed out there at the time. He and his brother were both born in Germany. And then um, they moved to DC shortly after he was born. And he basically grew up in a military family. His dad retired after 30 years in the army. His mom was actually an army nurse. His brother was an army nurse turned Air Force doctor. And then he was, you know, he joined the army. He actually was an ROTC in college and then joined the army in 2005, I believe. And um, he basically, you know, his whole life was the military. Like he didn't know anything else. And, you know, of his family, you know, he was, his dad deployed for a short period of time when he was younger. Um, but then, you know, when Iraq, the Iraq and Afghanistan wars hit, he was uh, deployed kind of early on in that process and he was deployed twice and it leaves some scars on a person and they're not always scars that you can see. And of course, there's, there's always the emotional scars that occur and, and some people think of PTSD and, and things like that. And, and that's really not the biggest you know, issue that he sort of dealt with. His issue that he dealt with, which so many people 
deal with after service overseas is health problems as a result. And some of them are health, health problems that you literally cannot see. Like my husband has a disabled veteran license plate so he can park in handicap parking, but I'm always afraid that we're going to get yelled at because he can walk out of the car and look completely normal. And he's, you know, not just because he didn't, you know, lose a limb or, you know, something like that, you know, doesn't mean that he doesn't have a handicap. And so I'm always afraid someone's going to see us get out of the car and yell at him thinking he's normal, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like see us walking in and I'm just like, oh gosh. And, you know, he definitely wearing 80 pound, you know, equipment for two years every single day is going to weigh physically on your body. When you are stationed in an environment where you are breathing in things that you are not usually breathing in, it is going to affect your insides and it's going to affect your homeostasis. It's going to, I mean, it's going to affect a lot of things in, in your body or it can, I should say. And, and unfortunately for him, it did. So after 10 years of serving in the army, um, he ended up serving 12 total, but about the time it was about 10 years, about mid 2015, it started looking like there was no, there was no fixing his health problems. He had been to specialists for years, um, within the army system and none of them were able to, to fix anything that was going on. And it was looking like, all right, it looks like things are about to end in his career in the army, which for him. And I mean, that's unthinkable for him because he knows nothing else than the army. And there's a comfort in that. And there, you know, even, even though it's a different kind of lifestyle that even civilians are like, gosh, I never want to do that. You know, it, it is, there's a comfort in that when that's what you know. I mean, so much so to the point, and I joke about this all the time, when we got married, uh, or right before we got married, I still had my own insurance and I wasn't on the military insurance. And I was sick and he went with me to the doctor and and I get done, I come out and he said, are you ready to go? And I said, well, wait, I have to pay my copay. And he said, what's that? Oh boy. Yeah. Like he'd never had to pay a copay. Right. You know? And like he grew up in that environment too. So yeah, like totally is an identity. Yeah, exactly. So he didn't, he didn't know any, you know, any, anything about the civilian side, particularly civilian business, because, you know, he, he was, I mean, his family's medical and he's in medical administration. So he's a, he's sort of like an executive in the medical field. And so he knew the military healthcare system and then the civilian healthcare system has some differences. So, you know, he knew he was going to have to learn something different. He knew he would not be under the umbrella of what he knew anymore. And so for me, and there's nothing I can do about it. Literally as his wife, I'm sitting there watching this happen for him going, there's nothing I can do to help him other than him experiencing this for himself and learning as he goes. I I mean, I can offer a few tidbits here and there. Um, He had considered, you know, staying in government service. And I said, well, you know, don't limit yourself to that because there's some great autonomy and some great company cultures in the corporate, you know, sort of medical field. And and you may find yourself really liking that. So, you know, um, I kind of just said, keep an open mind. And and that was scary for him too, but he did. Um, And part of that journey was for, you know, it was for me too, because you know, I had to figure out what I wanted to do, where we wanted to go. And it was just, it was different in the army because they say, okay, you have three options of where you can move, pick one. And if it's available, we'll give it to you. If not, you'll go with the next option. And usually you would end up with option 10. That wasn't even one of the top three, but, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but I mean, there were limitations on where you knew you could go. And there was some comfort in that. And then literally we got to this point where it's like, you're getting out of the army. Where do you want to go? And I'm like, oh my gosh, we could literally go anywhere. And I am not a good person with too many options. Not. 
just not. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what are, what are we going to do? And in the meantime, through all of this, he has to depend upon the medical process because he was planning on retiring in the army. He would have stayed in the army his whole life. We would have been army family till he retired. And, and so it, it was some faith for us in waiting. And it was like 10 month long process of him going through the medical board to figure out, are they going to retire him? Is he, you know, what kind of income are we going to have from that? And, you know, I was joking with, with you before about, I always say I would never do X, Y, or Z thing. Mm-hmm. And I had said not four months before, like we knew this was coming. Like we knew this was coming and we were talking with friends about where we're going to be like, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. Like really love Dallas. I really love Nashville. Like those would be some really great places, you know? And they're like, well, would you ever go back to California? Because, you know, I'm from Southern California. And I was like, oh, heck no. I was like, no way would I ever go back to Southern California. It is too much traffic, too many people. I mean, the weather's great, but I, no, I would never, ever do that. And it's like, as soon as I would never comes out of my mouth, God goes, oh, really? (laughs) Let me test you on that a little bit. Is that right? And I should have learned by now that that, you know, I should not say I will never do something. And, um, and so then we really, like the rubber was hitting the road at this point, you know, it was like, your impending coming out of the army is about to happen. So it became very real and we need to, to make a real decision. And the one thing that really got me every single time is I'm just like, look, in a military town, when you are around the military for a holiday like Thanksgiving or Christmas, if you can't afford to go out of town or you're not going to go out of town for one reason or another, you, you always know you have a place to go because everyone around you is family. But if we move to Nashville and Dallas, and I'm not saying there's not great people there who would consider us family and include us, but it's different. The civilian side, you know, you go, oh, what are you doing for Christmas? And they're like, oh, we're going to grandma's house because their entire family is in the area. Right. You know, and, and for us, it was like, that was a big awakening because we thought, oh my gosh, like Dylan's not going to grow up near family. How much money are we going to have to spend traveling just to be near family for, for holidays? And, and what about babysitting? And what about, you know, Mother's Day and getting together with her Nana or her grandma and granddad, you know, Justin and I argued forever. Well, he wanted mountains and I wanted the beach and, you know, and I was like, look, I finally said to him, look, the only place we're going to get mountains in the beach, like, you know, a beach that I want to go to, let's be specific, um, is Southern California. And that's where family is. And it was just like this light bulb went off and I was like, oh crap. (laughs) The most logical thing that makes the most amount of sense is the thing you said you would never do. Exactly. Exactly. So what do we do? We found ourselves, you know, calling my grandparents and, you know, they are very supportive. They've been very supportive of his military career. They've been very supportive. I mean, they even, they even like bought one of those banners in their local city with his name on it, you know, to show their support. Like so sweet. Like sweet. They've always had an open door policy. That's always where we stayed every time we came to visit. And, and not because my parents aren't welcoming or anything like that, but just because they didn't necessarily have the space for, for guests. Um, so we just always went to my grandparents' house, you know? And so I called my grandmother and I said, look, this is what we think we want to do, but I don't know how long it's going to take before he finds a job or if we'll have one when we come. Is there, you know, would you be willing to let us stay there for an you know, unknown period of time? And I mean, they didn't even hesitate. They were like, of course, of course. So they said yes. And we were like, there's some comfort in that for us. Like, okay, we have a place to go. And then with all of the military retirement thing pending, it came through that he was going to get 100% VA and, and a retirement. And we were just like, praise the Lord. And we had you know, a figure in mind for what he needed to make. 
um, in order for us to be able to live in Southern California with, with, you know, the quality of living that we wanted, with the extras and the fun things we wanted to do. We sort of had a figure in mind and it wasn't necessarily unreasonable. So, you know, we, we were at least blessed that we had that because we're like, okay, good. If it takes you a while to find a job, then we have, you know, some money. Okay. We're about to leave Texas to go to California. We've made peace with that. We have a place to go. We know what we're doing. We had a contract on our house because we were selling our house. The day of closing, two days after we got to California, the contract fell through. Oh, goodness. So when you left Texas, there was a contract on the house, thought it was selling, everything was fine. You had a place to go. Like it was all- Right. And we were praising God. didn't work out. Yeah, we were praying to God because we're like, oh my gosh, God, like we, we put a contract on the house in 13 days after it went on in the market. Wow. Which in that area is pretty, pretty unheard of, you know? So, so we were just like, oh my gosh, like, this is amazing. God totally has a plan. This is great. And, you know, if, if, you know, we just have expenses like food, we have a place to stay. We don't have to pay rent. We just have, you know, cell phone, auto insurance and, you know, our own food and and various things, like small things like that. We could totally live on his retirement until you get a job. No pressure. Well, the house sale fell through. And so what does that mean? Well, guess what? You have electric bills, you have water bills, you have, you know, all those things that we have to pay. And we were just like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Like, we don't have the money to pay for that. It was just a lot of praying and a lot of God, what, how is this even, how is this even going to work? Well, you know, we get to, you know, we are in California by this point when the house fell through, we had a place to live. So many great things had happened. So I, you know, it stressed me the heck out that this was happening, but I was grateful for the things that God had already lined up. And then uh, we were able to be granted with unemployment in the state of California for, you know, the maximum amount that they were allowed to give due to, you know, his previous income and everything. And, you know, that, that was hard because as much as it was wonderful to have the money, there's sort of a pride aspect Mm-hmm. To not being on unemployment and using government service. And that was something that we just had to get over. Like this was a journey in our lives. And that was just that we had, you know, we, we needed the help. What the heck else were we going to do? And, um, and so we ended up being very grateful for programs like this. I think it really opened our eyes a lot to some people who need to utilize those programs and people going through hardship. And we just happened to be one of those people. And you never think you're going to be in that situation. You never think, right? <laughs> I'll never be in that situation. And then all of a sudden you're in that situation. Yeah, exactly. So I never like, and now I never look at, you know, let's say a homeless person and go, oh, I feel so bad for them. Like I do feel bad for them because I know it, it stinks to be in a situation, but I never, you know, judge that person for why they're doing that. Like I couldn't judge. I mean, I knew the situation, but somebody else might judge my husband for being on unemployment you know, but I certainly knew the situation and we knew it, you know, so I, it, it opened my eyes up to being more open-minded about people. And I think that was a real gift mm, that yeah. we were able to learn that through that process. So we did not sell our house for six months. Wow. And so the whole time that, that six month period, you guys were in California. Yes. The house was just on the market. It was just on the market. And not only that, we had three, not one, not two, three contracts on that house. Two out of three fell through. And the third one, I guess third time's a charm. God likes the number three. I don't know what that's about. But, you know, the third one finally stuck. And, um, and you know, and I was kicking myself because I had been praying that the right people be in that house and particularly the right people for the neighbors on the street and, and all that stuff, not, not just anybody, 
you know, and I was kind of kicking myself for that prayer because I was just like, that's why <laughs> contracts are falling through because I prayed that God's prayer. You were very specific. Yeah. It's not just be careful what you wish for. It's be careful what you pray for. <laughs> but you know, but even, but even when I thought about that, I was just like, you know what, would I want it any other way? Would I want less great neighbors for my neighbor because selfishly for myself so I could sell a house faster. Like, I don't know. I'm reading totally into all these things, but these are the kinds of thoughts that I was having, which may have been totally crazy, but, but you know, I I was just like, no, like I would never change that prayer. Not really, you know? And so it took six months. We actually just closed on that house. So all that time we had to pay the mortgage we had. And then when spring came, we had to pay for the lawn maintenance because the lawn was going to grow. And I refused, you know, I care about that. I don't want to just let a lawn die or let weeds overgrow because I don't live there and like hope that someone else like buys it and wants to take care of it. Like, no, like I want the people who are moving into this house to have a great experience moving into the house. And that includes having a lawn and, and, you know, all of the stuff taken care of that look great. So, you know, that's, And with your neighbors in mind, like I'm sure that they don't want to live next to a house that's like a dead lawn that no one's taking care of. No. And we had taken, we had worked really hard to take care of that lawn in the time that we lived there. Cause in Texas, man, you got to work hard for your lawn and with the, (laughs) with the heat and the weeds in Texas, like you have to work hard. So, you know, it was an expense that an extra expense that we didn't have to pay, but we did to, to take care of that. And I know that the people who bought it were really grateful for that, but you know, that was important, you know? So, so it was a lot of expense and you know, through the process of my husband looking for a job, let's see, we, we got to California at the beginning of January. It was like January 2nd or 3rd or something like that when we got to California. He did not start work until the end of April. And that was a long time for him. I mean, I think we had, one thing we really learned is that we're going to enjoy retirement together because we didn't totally want to kill each other after being each other's faces for four months. Oh, that's always um, good. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm grateful for that too, as like a window into what retirement will be like, but you know, and, and it was hard for him to stay with my, with my grandparents and, and not because there's anything wrong, but just, it would be hard for us to stay anywhere for that period of time that was not our house. And we felt guilty because we're like disrupting their, you know, life habits and we're in their way. And, you know, we're living, we were living in a one, in one bedroom, the three of us, my poor daughter, Okay, they didn't have a big enough bed for the two of us. They had like a full-size bed, which for us, like we would not sleep if we slept in a full-size bed. Our bed at home was a king-size Tempur-Pedic mattress. Like we did not wake each other up. So, you know, they pulled in the trundle. So he slept on a twin trundle. I slept on the full-size bed and she slept on a blow-up mattress on the floor. There was one dresser and closet for all of us and all of our stuff. And there was literally no walking room anywhere to get in and out of that room because of the like all the beds and and things just for us to survive in there. And it was not fun. Like it was really not a fun experience. I mean, it was great to be with my grandparents. It was great for Dylan to be around them because she'd never been around them that long. So that was fantastic, but, and and really such a gift. Um, But it was like living in someone else's space that long in one bedroom with three people and like no room, elbow room was kind of torturous. And he was looking for a job for that long. And I mean, he had interview upon interview upon interview. And it took, and with, I guess, the level of position, it takes them longer to find a position. So we, we had never gone through the job searching process before, particularly not like this. So we had no sense of how long it was going to take. And neither one of us expected it to take that long. The unknown of all that was really tough. But by the end of April, he had gotten a job. We'd put a lease down on a townhouse that we're living in now. And everything kind of started to come together. That's amazing. So in that process of living with your grandparents, 
and kind of not knowing when the end was <laughs> or how it was. And it was certainly not the most perfect ideal living situation with everyone kind of all over the place. And I'm sure you and your husband, like no private time, like just. Oh yeah. 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 I can only imagine, especially with your daughter being there, like all of that. Oh yeah. Try, try doing anything in that situation. Anyway. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> over the course of my life, I've been in similar situations. So I, I know exactly what that feels like. I know what it feels like as the mom to be like, okay, there's not a, like a home, like there's a home, but there's not like your home where you like have kind of the, the say and how you're, you're going with your daughter and kind of your routines for her and all of that. So this was kind of like in the middle of the school year. How, yes. How old is she? Where, where, where was she at? Like with her school? She how had did that just, her? Yeah. Oh my gosh. She is very resilient. I will say that. And most, most kids when they're young are, but she had just started kindergarten in August. And so I felt like the worst parent in the world, her first year in school, taking her out of school in the middle of the year and putting her in a different one. However, she is not a shy child. She does not typically know the meaning of that word. And so every time I told people that I was, you know, uncomfortable with this move for her, they were like, are you kidding me? Have you met your daughter? Like, no, she is going to be fine. And in this process, I, I had emailed, we were going to be living near the school that I grew up going to. And it was a, a private Christian school. And I had emailed the principal and I said, do you have any openings in kindergarten? My husband's retiring from the military and, you know, we're moving back to California and, you know, I really would love for her to go there. And he said, we have one slot left in kindergarten, one. And he's like, we don't usually take mid-year enrollments, but we understand your situation and we have the room. So go ahead and put in an application. And I was just like, praise the Lord. <laughs> the angels Yay. were singing. Finally, I was so excited. Out. Although what I didn't know was that I was going to have to buy a second set of uniforms, <laughs> school uniforms, because one, set, one school had one set of uniforms and this school had a completely different set of uniforms, color-wise and, and all that. And you could only get it from one place and all that. So luckily, you know, people were very helpful. Um, my, you know, like people were like, oh, we'll buy her an outfit for her birthday, you know, to help, you know, with the expenses of that. So that was really great. And let me tell you something. I was not one of those parents who was like, oh, my baby's grown up. Oh my gosh. Like I was all peace out. Have fun. <laughs> and, and she was equally the same way. She was like, peace out, mom. Don't need you. Bye. I'm, I'm good. Gonna, I'm, I'm good. That's yeah. just the kind of kid she is. So when we, we walked her up to the classroom before school started and, you know, these kids, I guess, heard us talking in the hallway and they all said, Dylan, and they ran out in the hallway and they came up to her and they pulled her in the classroom and were showing her her desk and they were showing her where she went and they were showing her where everything goes. And Justin and I were like, oh my gosh, never, ever have I ever seen anything like this before. And it was just like, just warmed your heart to see the welcome that she got. And any concern I had over her being uncomfortable her first day of school was just wiped out immediately right then and there. Oh, and, that's amazing. And I mean, it was great. She had a great first week of school. And I mean, everything was great. And now she like never wants to leave because she's like, it's the most wonderful thing ever. And it's a fantastic school. So you can't help but worry to some extent sometimes as a parent because you always have that concern. But I mean, really, I had nothing to worry about. And everyone told me I had nothing to worry about, but I still couldn't help myself. Yeah. And that's so good. You know, you think about like all of the transition and things that seem to be working out, but then didn't, and then seem to be working out again and then didn't to have her kind of have that solid and that presence and the, something that just fell right into place. 
Like that's amazing that God was kind of teaching you guys different lessons through all of this, but really had her covered in the right surrounding, in the right everything to really help support her. Yeah, absolutely. It was a really, it was a really big gift. And I feel like some of that is just a testament to who God created her to be and, and who God created us to be. He created us to be flexible. I mean, that's the best word I could use. <laughs> and, you know, that's just part of it. And she's been equally as flexible. And through the whole process, we were in constant prayer. I mean, constant, because I had never been so in need in my entire life. I mean, my husband had never gone through something so incredibly emotional, emotionally and spiritually taxing in his life. And so it was constant prayer. We prayed together more than we probably ever had, which was a great gift for our marriage. I think our marriage grew incredibly through this process. And he journaled the promises of God. He went through the Bible and he found the promises that God, you know, gives us in his word. And I couldn't necessarily quote any of them to you right now, unfortunately, but, um, but he took them and he wrote them down in his journal and just meditated on those through the process. And, and I struggled because there was so much going on in my head. I felt so guilty for the struggle that I had. And I've seen so many people like on Facebook who are very open about their struggles and not in a whiny, what was me sort of way, but in a like, this is real. This is my real life. And this is my real life struggle. And I need my people. Like I need my people to rally around me. I need my people to know what I'm going through. And I was, I always thought I would be that way. But when it came to it, because I'm a very open book. I mean, ever, anyone who knows me, no, I'll tell you anything about anything. If you ask me, I'll tell you anything about anything. Usually I'll offer information that you never asked for. But in this case, I was virtually radio silent about almost everything that we were going through other than fact, our house is still on the market. Fact, Dylan started a new school. You know, I really did not share just how difficult it was because for me, it was so incredibly difficult that I could not even put it into words to be able to share it with people other than the facts of the situation. Mm -hmm. So I felt guilty about that because I wanted to be able to be a light through the situation. And I wanted people to see like being a Christian is not easy. We go through hard stuff too. It is not the golden ticket to an easy life by any means. In fact, I think it's the opposite in a lot of ways. Oh, um, amen to that. But I just... I didn't even know what to say. I did. I really wanted to be that person. Like my sister-in-law, when they were going through their foster and adoption situation, and then I have a friend um, who just went through the uh, two friends, in fact, who went through the loss of their children, in fact, which are horrific situations that I would no one would ever wish upon anybody. They were very vocal and open about these journeys, and I got so much out of it personally, spiritually. I was so encouraged by their faith. And, and, and it wasn't like, oh, everything is great. Like you just lost your freaking kid. Like, no, it's not great. This freaking sucks because they were so honest about it and said, yet here's what I'm choosing to meditate on. Here's what I'm choosing to remember about God. Here's the gift that God gave me through it, even though this really sucks and this is really hard. Like I wanted to be that person who was doing that. And, and I just could not find it within myself to, to do that. Mm. And, and, and I felt really guilty about that. And so I don't know. I hope that I hope that I could be an encouragement to someone else who goes through something like this again. Maybe somebody's encouraged now who's listening now that I've gone through it and can kind of come back the other side and be like, okay, now I can finally talk about this situation and that God provided everything we could ever need. And I, we had never really been in a situation where we needed God to provide financially ever. You know, we had a steady income, we had a budget, we were pretty good with our money. You know, we never. So to be, it was very humbling to be in that situation and, and to see God's provision through it was a gift. 
um, to see God's provision through my husband looking for a job and the things that he learned through that was a gift. I mean, my prayer for him, it wasn't necessarily the prayer he was praying, but my prayer for him was that God would show him very clearly which job to take if he, if he had more than one contender. And that would be very clear the direction that he was supposed to go. And when he had two contenders at one time and we thought for sure he was going to get one of the jobs and, and the other one was really interested in him. And he was just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And I said, look, I just been praying that God shows you and he's going to. And one day out of literally nowhere, that other company decided they were not going to consider him as a candidate anymore for very, very good specific reasons for the company. And so it left this other job and it was like, and he kept saying when he would interview with these people, how much he loved them and how much he loved the company. He had done a case study on the company when he was in graduate school and he really liked the company. And I was like, duh, that's the answer to your prayer. That <laughs> right is the, or actually my prayer. I said, that's why I asked God for that. So you would have no confusion and you would not struggle with that decision. And, and it happened. It's like every, every prayer that we prayed came to pass in one way or another, usually not exactly the way that we asked for it. <laughs> um, and God almost never works that way. But, you know, that, that was just so amazing to, and humbling to go through that process. And it felt like eternity. It honestly felt like it would never end. So let me ask you this. So like in the midst of all of that, kind of having a similar journey myself, were there any moments that you were angry at God or mad at him or just being really confrontational with him in the situation? Oh, for sure. Time one and two when the contracts fell through mm-hmm. on the house. Like I was I mean, excuse me, but I was pissed at God. I was angry. And the thing that people think about God sometimes is that you can't be angry at God. Like you have no right to be angry at God because he's God. And I don't know, maybe we don't have a right to be angry at God, but I know that he doesn't hate it when we're angry at him. Like he likes our honesty. And I think it grows, like if you're honest with somebody when they've made you mad and you've actually sat through and had an adult conversation and talked it through and got through it, was your relationship better? I mean, almost every time, right? Totally, yeah. So God is the same way. Like when you are honest with him finally about how you feel about something, I mean, he's open to it. And, and he will comfort you eventually, at least. And sometimes immediately, sometimes it takes a while for you to kind of calm down and you know, get out of yourself a little bit to, to accept the fact that he has a plan. And I think that was one of the hardest things for me was accepting the plan because I think I was trying to control it to some extent. Like, no, God, you should be doing it this way. Why aren't you doing it this way? And he's like, that's not the plan. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I'm mad at you because that's not the plan. Well, whose fault is that? <laughs> that's my fault. So, uh, you know, I definitely had my moments and, and they were usually in relation to, to the house because that was the thing that stressed me out the most. Because, you know, honestly, I didn't go through this struggle of identity or anything like that, like my husband was, because... I was in grad school. I had a, I had a direction. Like we knew I wasn't going to work. We, you know, we knew whatever budget we came up with in the state of California, Southern California specifically, which is incredibly expensive to live in. We knew, we kind of knew what our path was and there was no question about it. So a lot of the jobs that people were trying to recruit him for were far less paying than what we knew that we needed, you know, for or what we wanted, I should say. Let me not say needed, wanted for our you know, comfort level and for the things that we wanted to be able to experience as a family and stuff like that. And, and it was amazing to me when the job that he was supposed to get, that God pulled all the other options away, offered him the exact 
exact dollar amount that we needed, wanted slash needed. <laughs> slash wanted. I know. I, I, I try to be very clear about that. Like, <laughs> like we are very privileged and I know that. And, and it's not, it's not whether, it's not like you're not allowed to be privileged. It's what do you do with that privilege? Exactly. You know, and I mean, that was also something that was eye-opening through this process as well um, in, in being humbled by having very tight finances. Um, but, you know, God came through just every step of the way. And, and it was, I, I mean, I had a direction. So like that part wasn't stressful to me. It was the dang house that just, I was dying. But it happened. Praise the Lord, it happened. Finally. It happened. And he got his job. And the thing I love about this is it's like this evolution process of God really challenging you on the things you said you would never do and putting you in those situations that required both you and your husband to grow individually and together. And he's continuing to do that, even though prayers have been answered and there's a lot more stability and things are kind of moving forward. Like he's still doing that. And I know one of the the new projects that you that Dylan, your daughter is doing is really kind of challenging you even more in that direction. So tell us a little bit about that. Oh my gosh. Jenny. I'm so excited to hear about this. I can't. I don't know what, why I ever had these conversations with people. I think it's because I'm from Los Angeles. And so people would ask me, have I ever met any movie stars? Did you ever see, you know what I mean? I get a lot of those questions from people who are not from Los Angeles because they found it fascinating that that's where I was from. And, and so they asked a lot about entertainment. And so somehow it would come up in conversation about acting and th- things like that. And I said, I would never let my child do that. Another thing I said I would never do. And God went, oh, really? Again. And he said to me, do you think I can't use you there? Mm. And I was just like stone silent. Wow. Because I was just like, wow. It was just such an honest, eye-opening experience of an area where I had zero faith in God because it never occurred to me. I mean, yeah, there's Christian movies and Hallmark movies and whatever, family-oriented stuff. But there were still lots of kids in those shows who turned out to be wackos, you know? And the stage, you hear the horror stories about the, the stage moms and the horror stories about child actors growing up and totally being crazy. And, you know, and I was like, I would never put my kid through that. I want her to have a childhood, you know? And no, I would never do that. So the day she asked us, and she asked us more than once, by the way, we kind of shrugged it off the first time or two that she asked. But when she finally asked us again, how do I be on television? How do I be in a movie? I was just like, crap. Like, you've got to be kidding me. And, you know, God was just very clear. Like, you think I can't use you in the dark places. And not that all entertainment is dark. And not that there are not awesome people in the entertainment industry. Because they're, I mean, these people are amazingly brilliant. And they are creative in ways that I could never imagine myself being. And there's so many great things about the entertainment industry, but there are definitely some, some challenges and they don't necessarily, not everybody in the entertainment industry, in fact, probably most don't share the same values that, that we have. Um, and so there were some major concerns and we were incredibly hesitant and incredibly skeptical about this entire process. So we started looking into it and we started trying to learn, you know, how do people do this? And the first thing we did was we went and had her, you know, audition for us for a acting school. She had no acting experience. She'd never done anything like that. And, and when it's so funny, cause when I told people that we were looking into it, they were like, that makes so much sense. People who knew Dylan were like, Oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. Where do you think she got the idea for this? I have no idea. She just would, she, we would get a magazine in the mail with like kids in it. 
and she would look at it and she'd be like, how do I be in the magazines? Like these kids. And she was just very inquisitive about the whole thing. And then she loves movies. Like her dad is like a huge movie buff. And so she is following suit and she loves movies and TV. And, and we don't let her watch a lot of it, which is really funny. Like we, we, it's not like she's sitting there watching two to three hours of TV a day. She's not like, she's lucky if she gets 30 minutes in, but she loves it. And, and so she wanted to know how she could do it. And we were just like, who are we to stop her? Who are we to, you know, if, if this is what God created her for, even if it's just, you know, my style and it's for a year, you know, who are we to say, you can't do something that possibly God has planned for you. And God was just very, he opened doors left and right all of a sudden. I mean, there were so many things that happened. Like, I mean, going into that school and then they referred her to a talent manager, which they didn't do very often. And the talent manager called me within three hours of receiving the email and after seeing her pictures. I mean, and then, you know, we finally, you know, we got a couple of, of films that we were shooting on. And so we get to this, this film and, you know, the day before I had been praying for, for God to bring me a good friend with good values that, that I could have. Because I, I didn't just want to be, if I was going to be in entertainment with her, if we were going to do this journey with her, I wanted people who could rally around us who get it. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, you wonder why, why actors date each other and date each other in the industry and stuff like that. It's because they get each other in a way right. that the rest of us do not understand, you know? And, and I started to find that as we were getting into this acting thing. Like, people thought it was cool. They didn't, you know, they don't even know what we have to go through. Let me tell you something. The, getting into the entertainment industry as a new stage mom is what we kind of call ourselves. It's so incredibly emotionally and physically taxing. We drive, I think we've driven since April. We started this process in April. So it's only been a few months. We have driven almost 3,000 miles. Wow. In just acting classes, coaching, and auditions, and shooting, you know, different jobs that she's had so far. And it is a, it is a dedication like none other. You know, if you, and you can't, like, if you had a full-time job, if both parents had a full-time job, not happening. Like there is no freaking way you could ever do it if you had to work. And I, I, because I'm an online grad student and I can take my stuff anywhere and I can sit there while we're waiting for an audition and I can do my homework. Like that, that makes sense. It It works for us right now. Yeah. Yeah, It works for us right now. And then, you know, going back to when I said I was, you know, God was praying for a friend that next day she was shooting on a film and I met my friend, um, Heather, who you know, I'm always very skeptical of people. And, and she was friendly and her husband was also in the, in the army. And so we had this connection. We were talking and I was like, okay, this chick's pretty cool. I kind of, I dig her. And I like her son. Her son was working with Dylan and, um, and he was a nice kid. And then, you know, I go to a friend her on Facebook and I see, but who do we have in common? But Jenny Stemmerman. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, she's legit now. Now I know she's a different because she knows Jenny Stemmerman. And, um, and so that sparked a whole nother conversation about, wait, how do you know her? You know, and it was like, we've been friends ever since. We talk every single week, multiple times a week. I love it. And she's been such a wonderful, I mean, she, they're much farther along in the experience. I mean, they've been doing it. Zach is, you know, her son is older and I mean, they've been doing it his whole life basically. And, and, you know, we're just starting. So she has been very open about being very like mentory towards, towards me as a fellow stage mom. And, you know, my perception was, gosh, these moms don't want to help you. They don't want anything to do with you. Your child is competition. And, you know, which isn't true at all, by the way. And almost every single person we've come across has been 
incredibly nice and incredibly willing to help and give information because it's in a, it's in a really difficult industry to navigate and you don't always know who to trust. You don't always know what good information is. And that's part of the overwhelm, not just the running around everywhere. It's just like, I don't know. And so when, when God and I were talking about it and we were coming to this point, this, this analogy came to mind and it is by no means on the same scale, but it's the best example I could come up with where God was just like, you need to trust me with your daughter. And, and that was an incredibly scary thing to do. And it was sort of akin to, this is the example I want to give, when Abraham took Isaac up to the altar and he was about to sacrifice Isaac and God said, stop. Like Abraham listened to God's plan and did, did not, according to the scriptures, did not question it. And that is the best example that I could give because this is such a scary thing to, to put her into that I felt like I was putting her up on the altar to God and saying, use her mm. and do with her what you, what you will. And I will trust you. And I still struggle with that every day. Whenever we're doing anything, I still struggle with, with things. I mean, we, we've had a, an audition that came across where, you know, there's, there's this like thing going on in comedy right now. And this is just a personal decision for us. Not every parent makes the same decision. And I certainly don't judge any parent that does, but you know, we had a, we had a script come across our, my computer that we were offered to audition for. And it, you know, this comedy thing right now is like, it's funny when kids curse yep. and say really disgusting things or whatever. And, and they're really little and you think, Oh, that's so funny. They're so little. And they're saying that, do they even know what they're saying? Ha ha ha. And I'm like, that's not funny. Like, I don't think that's funny at all. So, you know, I don't want a script to come across my desk where my, where my kid is, you know, cursing without some kind of moral implication. Right. You know, we were watching a show the other day and, and, you know, my, I, I've been asked like, well, what if your kid, you know, was offered to do, to, to curse or say a bad word. And I'm like, well, that depends. What's the context? Is she saying it and there's a moral lesson in the end of it, how that wasn't a good decision and she got in trouble or is she saying it and it's a comedy and it's supposed to be funny because those are two very different things. So no, I can't tell you black and white. No, I would never let her do that because there is a much larger context to consider when, when you're considering, you know, risky scripts and things like that. What's, what's the bigger context? What a balancing act for you as the stage mom to be able to, one, be her mom and protect her and to do the things that like a normal mom would want to do to make sure that you're guiding her in the right direction. And she's, you know, keeping a level head on herself too, as she's kind of navigating through this process, but then also allowing God that freedom to be able to use her in this industry and to do those things. Like I can only imagine the balancing act between those two things. Right. Yeah. And and being a parent that has never had any experience in the entertainment industry myself as, uh, you know, before this point, you know, you're not really sure what you're supposed to do when you're helping them prepare for auditions either. Like, do I tell them how to do it? Do I let them figure it out? But okay, I know what she's doing right now is not going to go over well. So, you know, it's like on one hand, you want to give them the creative license and the instinct to figure out their, their own method and their, the own way that they want to do things. On the other hand, you're just like, that's not going to go over well. And God has just repeatedly reminded me, like she needs to learn on her own and she needs to learn to take ownership. And that's going to be a very long process for, mm. for her to learn. And you need to be okay with that. And I'm like, but I'm not okay with that. That's so hard. <laughs> so, so this has been very much a practice in letting go, placing her on that altar and stepping back because I have a tendency to worry and control. And, and God's like, this is your practice in not doing that. And I'm like, well, I'm failing every day so far. So thank you for that. But I will keep trying. I love how just kind of seeing the different threads and the themes 
from like starting with your husband and his retirement and the house and moving and not having your own space. Like there's just so many themes through all of it of God really putting you in uncomfortable situations, not to necessarily humble you, but just to really teach you about different aspects of whether it's relying on other people or relying on him, but not in autumn's power who is the doer who is the maker of things happening who dives yeah. in head first i just love that that theme is kind of like central in everything that's been on your journey for the last year yeah and and the thing to think about too is is god's not changing me he's not changing me into less of a doer by any means mm-hmm. he is molding and shaping the the doingness of my doing if that makes any sense. Yeah, like equipping you, like yes. showing you more resources that you have to do even more. Yes. He's showing me how to be more effective in, in how I do. And when I try to take things on my own power, I stress out. And, I, and there's physical implications of stress. Stress can literally, prolonged stress can literally kill you and there's science to back that up. And when I think about that and, I th- and when I compare my non-stressful times to my stressful times, you know, I'm just like, I can't afford to allow my health to decline because I won't let go. Mm. That just can't be a thing. And, and God's really putting me on that journey of letting go. And it is by no means a finished job at this point. I am still, I'm doing better, but I'm still a little stuck in, in my habits. And so it's a long cleansing process that God's putting me through. And, and, and I'm better for it. And we're all, we're all better for everything that we've gone into. So with all of this, your entire kind of story over the course of the last year, year and a half or so, if you had to boil it down to one lesson or one kind of theme of lesson that you feel like God is really speaking to you, what would it be? Trust me. Mm, That's good. Because it really put a mirror up to my face of just how much I didn't trust God. Because when you're not going through something really difficult. You think, oh, I can trust God. Or I've been th- or even if you have been through hard stuff in the past, but you're not currently going through something and you, you trusted God through that situation and you think you got through it and you think you trust God. And then God puts you and just decimates your life and just takes it apart and throws it out and starts it completely new again. Can you trust God in that moment? I thought I could. Turns out I was wrong. And, I w- and my level of trust in God was not what it was. And, and I was pretty ashamed to learn that, but I've grown so much because I learned that about myself. That's so good. And you know, in the time you might not have been able to share so transparently to really speak to other people and be that person who is that light. But I think after you sharing this entire story, I know that there are people who are listening to this, that you are that light for them right now and sharing this story. So thank you. Thank you. I, I mean, I appreciate the opportunity to share it and I really hope it does because that's really what I wanted to be able to share something by the end of it. I'm like, when I get through this, I will have something to share that can glorify God. I really just wanted to get to that, that moment. So thanks for letting me use that moment here. Oh, so good. Well, Autumn, if people want to follow your journey and your daughter's journey on Instagram, what would be the best place for them to follow you? Well, they can follow me at AutumnJB on Instagram, um, but I will be honest and say that my Instagram is far less interesting than Dylan's um, because I am sort of documenting her journey as she goes through when we go to auditions, when we, you know, we're actually on set somewhere and, and different things. I even have a video of her actually shooting something um, in, in one of my Instagram posts. And I'm not going to be able to, you know, there's a lot of um, non-disclosure agreements in, in certain shows and you're not allowed to do that. But in this show, I actually was allowed to do that. So, so I was able to get some really good behind the scenes stuff from, from one show. Um, 
So, you know, that whole journey is being documented on Instagram at Dylan Beam underscore official. I love it. Official. 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 She is official. <laughs> the six-year-old is official. I love she it. <laughs> well, I certainly follow her on there. I love keeping up with the stories. So I encourage other people to do the same. Thanks so much for coming on, Autumn, and sharing your story. Thanks for having me. Seriously, you guys have to follow Dylan's Instagram account. She is the most adorable little girl and it's kind of fun to see behind the scenes of what it's like to work in Hollywood and on all of the shows and things that she's doing. So I definitely encourage you to watch her on that journey. Now, like I said at the very beginning of this episode, this episode is sponsored by Life Balance Membership and I have a hack for you to create more balance in your life. It's not really a hack. It's really just three things to help you be more intentional because when you're living an intentional life, it's going to be balanced unless you're intentionally living to be unbalanced, which I doubt that you are. You know, we are kind of in the dead of summer, wrapping into August very, very quickly. In fact, this episode goes live on August 1st. So some of you might have kids going back to school this month. Maybe they're already back in school. Maybe they don't start until September. But it's a great time to kind of tighten in on your intentionality and what it is that you're really building for yourself in your life. So these three steps are really things to help you get back to intentional living if things maybe have gotten a little loosey-goosey over the summer. Number one, what are your intentions for this week? Just look straight in front of you. What are your goals for this week? What are the outcomes that you're hoping to have from this time? Remember, this is not about perfection. When we're talking about goals and the things that we're wanting to get to in our life, it's not about perfection. It's more about being obedient to what God has called you to do and to really live within his will and what he has called us to do. And when we think about the rocks of our life, um, our faith, marriage, parenting, career, health, finances, home, friends, and family, all of those things have direction rooted in the Bible for how we're supposed to live. But I want you to just think about this week. What can you do this week? What are your intentions for all of those rocks, all of those key areas of your life right now? Number two, what are your actions? You know, there is a difference between having intention, which is step number one, and being intentional, which is step number two. So I want you to really think about what actions you need to do this week to be intentional, to live out those intentions, those goals that you want to end the week strong in. And then number three is being prepared. I, if you've listened to any of my past episodes, I'm a big proponent on being prepared. In fact, I have a free course for you. It's called Weekly Success Planning. You can sign up by going to yourliferocks.com or weeklysuccessplanning.com and you can sign up for this free course. Now, this course will walk you through um, setting those intentions, creating goals for a balanced life, but most importantly, it walks you through the whole process of weekly prep, of setting yourself up for massive success just in a couple hours on your weekend. Now, maybe you're listening to this and it's already, you know, like the middle of the week. You can still take the course, but I also want to challenge you to be intentional about your daily planning. Maybe you do it in the morning before the day starts to go crazy and before it gets on its way. Maybe you do it the night before you wake up and you start the day. Either way is totally fine, but be intentional. Really sit down there. Look at your schedule of the appointments that you have coming up. How do you want your day to unfold? When are you planning on getting that mountain of to-do list done? We all have those mountains. We all have a huge long to-do list. But if we also schedule every second of our day, when are you going to have time to do anything on that to-do list? Then you're not and you're going to feel overwhelmed and that is not intentional living. So be very proactive 
the morning of or the night before to really lay out that day and be intentional on how you want to live that day. So I hope that those three tips help you out. Again, they are provided by our sponsor, lifebalancemembership.com. It is our membership here at Your Life Rocks where we have our life balance course plus so much extra content. We had a great summer program to help you make the most awesome summer ever with your family, including some magic of things that you could do after work to kind of prolong those summer weekends into the work week and having some great fun. We're going to be getting ready to kick off some extra support for back to school. And then shortly after that, we are going to be kicking it into gear to finish the year strong to make 2017 the best year ever, regardless of what it's been up to this point. So I hope that you go to lifebalancemembership.com. I'm going to give you a free seven-day trial where you can come in, start taking the courses, play around in the community, and see if it's something that you want to be a part of. You know what? There's a lot of people out there telling you life balance is not possible for you. This is the place that we will tell you that that is exactly what God has called you to be, to have more balance in your life, less chaos, and actually enjoy it. On that note, I will invite you to stick around next week when we finish off our testimony series. And my friend Julie is going to be coming on and talking about her journey with depression. I know it's going to be very impactful for a lot of you. So I hope that you tune in, hit subscribe so you don't miss a single one of the upcoming episodes. And until then, keep building a life that rocks. Bye.